Welcome back to another edition of the Tale of the Tape. I'm Kenny Keith of SportsRantRadio.com, and with me as always is boxing analyst Vince Cummings. Welcome back to the tape, Vin. Ken, glad to be here as always. Uh, favorite place to be on Thursdays here at the Tale of the Tape with you, my friend. That's right, buddy. It's time to talk some boxing. So Showtime Golden Boy Promotions put on a pretty big event at the StubHub Center this past Saturday night as... Devin Alexander took on Jesus Soto Carras in the first televised fight of the evening. Now, Devin Alexander, former IBF welterweight champion of the world, recently lost that belt to Sean Porter in his fight before this fight with Soto Carras. Put on a nice show at the StubHub Center, Vin. Yeah, he uh, he looked sharp. Now, you got to take into account that uh, Soto Carras has come to the end of the road in his career. He looked like... He was just wanting to uh, eat punches all night. That was his favorite thing to do. Chew on, chew on his gloves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed with, with Alexander. I've seen him take on Lucas Matisse, and I saw his loss to Timothy Bradley. But other than that, he's kind of been one of those, I don't know, there's nothing spectacular about him. Yeah. Like there, There's nothing memorable other than the fact that he stands there and he throws hands. Yeah, uh, he does bring it. That's that's what's interesting about watching him fight is you're going to get some action. But uh, he has been in the ring with, like you said, Bradley, Matisse, Porter, Maidana. The guys, he's seasoned. He's been in there with the best. So he's there's nothing that's new to him when he steps into a big fight. And I think after this win, he took one step closer to getting that big fight. I don't know if he's going to get it, but it looks like at least he took that step. The most consistent rumor that I've heard for Alexander's next fight is Keith Thurman. Yeah, and that would be an unbelievable fight. Uh, fight fans would be in for a treat with that one. Yeah, I think it would it would be a huge test of uh, of Thurman's chin. Oh yeah, definitely, and that that needs to be tested for him. That's the one thing that is yet to be tested. Yeah, I don't think Thurman's faced anyone remotely as skilled a boxer as him. No, and Alexander is going to provide him the opportunity to land punches too. I mean, Alexander's defense is nothing spectacular at all. He sort of reminded me of like a, a veteran fighter that has like fifty fights under his belt with like ten losses, <laughs> right? You know, like just the style because he he, he was a very classic and very yeah you know, a sharp boxer, a very accurate puncher. Right. And he just he looked like a throwback fighter. <laughs> he, he is kind of. He had no interest whatsoever in playing defense against a uh, outmatched. Jesus Soto Carras. Yeah, Carras is, I think that's the last time you're going to see him in a televised fight. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me at all. So let's move on to the main event of the evening because we want to come back to the fight of the night, which I think was Lomachenko and Gary Russell, wouldn't you think? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, I would say the fight of the night was was the lead-in fight. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start with the, the return of the ghost. So Guerrero famously 
stepped away from boxing as his wife underwent a, a bone marrow transplant as she battled cancer. And he did what any of us would have done and went to be with his wife uh, and, you know, to see her through, you know, this trying time. That coupled with um, another year layoff, he, surrounding the Floyd fight, I guess, he's missed almost three years of, of Yeah, he hasn't been active. Boxing. No, he has not been active enough, that, at least not as active as you want to be to stay sharp. So a guy who starts his career almost 25 pounds lighter than what he fought on this past Saturday night is now fighting in the welterweight division. We know this much and has adopted a new training regimen, which has been uh, looked at throughout, uh, you know, boxing media as somewhat controversial in this new CrossFit training program that he has. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a new thing. I don't, I don't know of anybody else that's doing it in boxing. It's kind of a workout craze that's that's come across the country here in the last four or five years i mean ideally you don't you don't want to be putting on too much muscle as a fighter no you want to stay loose i mean you you want to have some muscle but you know you you don't want to have the big biceps now it's worked out for some guys you look at tyson you look at some of these guys that that are short squatty guys yeah but for the most part you know if you're a boxer you want to be long and lean and loose you don't want to be tight well I don't know what the hell he was thinking taking on uh, Yoshihiro Kamagai in his comeback fight. A notorious bruiser. Yeah, and uh, he made that obvious. He just wanted to stick his forehead into Guerrero's and test that chin and see who who could punch harder, basically, was what that fight was. I want to see... this. Is, I'm going to go off subject for a minute. I want to see a Kamagai versus Margarito head size contest. <laughs> right? Jesus Christ. They got to be at least, uh, they're wearing eights on the fitted hat, I would think. Oh my gosh, Kamagai had the biggest head I've ever <laughs> seen for a professional boxer. Yeah. Especially at 100, and, what he weighed in at 146 and three quarters for the fight. But anyway, so Robert Guerrero, coming up in weight, anytime a boxer comes up in weight, there's always, you always run that risk of, and typically you do lose power as you move up through the ranks. Yeah, your power is not going to translate. You know, he may have had knockout power down at 122, but at at 147, uh, it's a whole different ball game. Okay, so you everybody knows this, right? Okay, so this is a common philosophy within boxing amongst fighters and amongst trainers and amongst the media that covers it, and even your average boxing fan. Then. Why in the hell did Robert Guerrero stand toe-to-toe and jump in a phone booth with Yoshihiro Kamagai and fight chin-to-chin all night long with this guy? You got to question if he has the legs that he had when he was younger. I, you know, watching that fight, he just was flat-footed the entire time. Cinder blocks. Yeah, uh, and I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. The ghost has become a ghost to himself, to his style that made him what he was, which was a slick in-and-out boxer found his angles with sharp, long punches, but now it's just kind of, he's thrown that to the wayside. He wants to test his toughness, I guess. You, you saw his face at the at the end of the oh, fight. His, his left eye was closed. So he, he looked like Alfredo Angulo at the end of the fight. Yeah, I mean, right. You know, he looked like just all of his facial features. His entire face was swollen by like an inch in all directions. And you can't, he can't keep that up in his career and expect, I mean... What he did in that fight is he he garnered some respect and, and people will pay to see him fight again because it was entertaining as hell. I mean, you're just watching two guys slug it out for 12 rounds. But in in a division, if he wants to fight at 147, he's got to move. There's, oh, yeah. there's too many good 
boxers. There's too yeah, many yeah. good athletes oh, in this sure. division. You can't stand nobody in that division in the in in the top ten fighters in that division. If he thinks he's a, t- a top ten fighter, is going to stand toe to toe with him. Except maybe Timothy Bradley, just because he doesn't seem to know any different. Right. That's that's he'll just do whatever it takes. Whatever's happening in the fight, he'll he'll fight your fight. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, what do you think the prospects are for Guerrero? I mean, I know he was talking about you know, of course, rematch with Mayweather is you know first first words out of their mouth. Uh, I don't see that happen. There's no interest in anybody watching that fight. Uh, Guerrero's gonna have to. He's gonna have to fit, take another tough fight against. Somebody that he probably doesn't want to fight for not a lot of money. And that's just where his career's at. I mean, just because you fought Mayweather once doesn't mean you hit the jackpot for the rest of your career. Uh, apparently, that's what everybody thinks. I mean, what was the first thing out of Chris Algieri's mouth after he beat Provodnikov? Yeah, I'll, I'll fight Pacquiao. Right, of course. <laughs> of course. All right, so anyways, let's move to the fight. The most interesting fight of the evening. And, and I have to be honest with you, in, in our conversations before leading up to this fight between uh, Vasil Lomachenko and Gary Russell Jr. This was the fight that we thought was going to provide the main course for the evening. Yeah. We saw two of boxing's most promising prospects coming into the fight, and uh, one proved himself beyond a shadow of a doubt, and the other one is cast back into the shadows, so to speak, because he looked terrible. Gary Russell Jr., God, I'm, I'm, people were expecting a lot from this kid. I had a little in my heart going for him because he's from our home state of Maryland. Right. I, you know, I want to see the kid do well, but my Lord, did he struggle mightily in that fight. Yeah, that was, he was outclassed. Oh, of course. He, he had no answer. There were no adjustments to be made. His athleticism, his mobility, his punching speed, his hand speed, um, his accuracy, these are the things that against your average professional fighter, you know, that that is, you know, competitive professional fighter. These are the things that are going to get you past almost all of them. But then you step into the ring against somebody that's equal to you in what you do good, but is way more tactical than you are. Lomachenko is a technician. Yeah, he and I was so impressed with how he went to the body and continued to go to, I mean, he punished Russell to the body for almost the entire fight. He didn't stop going to the body. And that's when you see a young fighter like that with a, you know, that effective attack to the body, which is hard to get young fighters to do. They're so focused on getting the knockout and going to the head. Sometimes Lomachenko was just so damn impressive in that fight. I I cannot wait to see what's uh, what's up for this kid down the road. Yeah. I mean, with, was he three? He was three hundred and ninety-five and one as an amateur, and his one loss, he came back and three ninety-six and one, yeah, three ninety-six and one, and the one loss, he then beat that guy two more times by knockout. <laughs> oh man! Well, when he came, you know, when he turned pro, his last fight was a was a really, really, a really tough fight for him. Um, he uh, he had absolutely. No answer for Orlando Salido. Um, I, I think what you saw in the Salido fight was Lomachenko. They don't score body punches in in, in amateur boxing, do no, they? No, they do. Okay. Well, they they do, but uh, it's not an Olympic boxing. Right. Well, that's something that he learned in the Salido fight was is that Salido kept going to his body, and 
a couple of them were a little lower blows. He physically was roughing him up, and Salito at at the fight fight time, but post weigh in was twenty pounds heavier yeah, than Lomachenko. Uh, he was certainly the bigger man, and he proved it in that fight. He just pushed Lomachenko all over the place. That's basically what it was: was a man versus a boy in that fight. That's all boiled down to. Yeah, and that was a huge, you know, learning to because Salito's not, you know, he's he's not a slouch. He's a oh pro- hell no, he's a professional fighter. And he's been in there with the best. Exactly. And you know what? And Lomachenko just shows that he's not going to, he's not going to make the same, you know, the same mistake twice. And he knew that he took those tips from that fight against Salito and he applied them very, very effectively against uh, Gary Russell Jr. And you know what? From watching Russell's past few fights, as much as I wanted to cheer for him, because, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, hometown guy or whatever, him growing up, a few miles from, from where we grew up. And, you know, you always like to see the local guys do well. It, there's something about him that I just don't like. And I think it was in his last fight and, and, or, or maybe a fight before that where, you know, I know this isn't part of the rules. It's not like you don't going out at the opening bell and tapping gloves. You know, when somebody raises their hand to tap gloves and like sportsmanship, like good luck, whatever. I know that's not a rule and people can call me a, you know, whatever for thinking, that you know sportsmanship you know should exist in some way in boxing right but his attitude when he opens fights when people try to be like okay you know what in in good sport he completely ignores them oh yeah and i mean he he was the golden boy coming up through the amateur ranks he was probably i mean he won, he was the 2011 prospect of the year uh writers association espn all over the place so yeah, he was uh, he was built up before he even got there in his own head. Uh, everything was just a, a formality to him, you know. He's just getting in the ring to handle business, and uh, business came back to bite him in the ass on Saturday, big time. He just got completely, completely dominated. I, I'll tell you one thing that was that I noticed about Lomachenko that was really impressive too was you did not see him come into every round and just start the attack. He waited a minute, minute and a half into the round. His his attack was was very calculated. It wasn't just over aggressive and you know amateurish. It was that of what appeared to be a seasoned veteran fighter, which is just so impressive coming from that guy. Yeah, everything he was anticipating everything that Russell was going to do. He had the timing down after the first round, and his movement in and out. He would come in, he would. Avoid whatever Russell was going to throw to him if Russell even launched at him. He would slam the body, mm-hmm. and then he'd be he'd be right back out. Yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful to watch. I you know I I don't know what's next for him as far as fights goes. I haven't seen you know next possible opponent or heard anything before that fight for the winner, but I will be tuned in and watching for sure for the rest of this guy's career. I think he's going to be doing some big things. Well. From what I understand, because of his size, is that he's probably, you know, eventually going to end up fighting in light welterweight. He's going to end up at 140 at some point right. um, because of his frame. But, you know, right now where he's fighting, from what I've seen skill-wise, there's only, I mean, I'd like to see him fight Nonito. Yeah, he'd I, pick Nonito apart, I think. Oh, I think so, too. But the but honestly, the only guy within range of him weight-wise that I think would, would, and would be a really great fight is Rigando. Yeah. You could also say uh Rigando or uh 
Well, Mikey Garcia is a little on the bigger side. If he st- if he could stay down at the weight class he's in now, but it looks like he's moving up. Well, if he could stay in the ring, <laughs> right? Yeah, but Lo- I mean, Lomachenko is definitely in a class uh, that I think a lot of people underestimated based off of his record. Well, I guess we'll see in in his next fight. We'll find out was Gary Russell that bad or was Lomachenko that damn good? I think Lomachenko was that good. I think so too. All right. Well, let's take a break, and we're gonna come back and dive into a couple more stories within the world of boxing. This is the tale of the tape. We'll be right back. Every Thursday night on Sports Rant Radio, the tale of the tape. A boxing podcast for you, the boxing fan. Hosted by the Rants, Kenny Keith, and SportsRantRadio.com boxing analyst, Vince Cummings. Giving you all the heavy hitting action inside the world of professional prize fighting. Be sure to tune in to SportsRantRadio.com for all the latest episodes of The Tale of the Tape. Welcome back to the Tale of the Tape. I'm Kenny Keith with Vince Cummings, and you can follow us on Twitter at Sports Rant Radio and at Vince Cummings 81. So there's new news, new fights being made, and another promotion gone wild as Danny Garcia and Lamont Peterson, the champions of the junior welterweight division, are on the same card but are not fighting one another, Ben. Yeah, it's... uh. It's just great, man. I mean, it's what every boxing fan wants to see. They want, they can't wait to see Danny Garcia face Lightning Rod Salka. Give me a break, please. Nineteen and three. The man has zero. Hear me again. Zero knockouts on his record. That is a complete joke. Uh, Lamont Peterson's going to face Edgar Santana uh, once again. Who? I don't know if they're attempting to have these guys get two knockouts leading into their possible fight, but uh, they one thing they surely are doing is is pissing a lot of boxing fans off, and 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 Showtime's at the head of it because you got people that that pay money to watch these fights, whether it's a pay per view or whether they're paying their subscription for Showtime. It's it's a joke that this is what they're feeding the fans. All we're hearing leading up to this announcement is that he was going to meet Floyd at one forty seven, and that was going to be. Floyd's next fight was going to be Danny Garcia. And as soon as that conversation starts gaining momentum, then all of a sudden we hear Danny Garcia and Lamont Peterson. And I'm like, okay, well, great. That's, right. That's Let's unify the 140 pounds belt. Exactly. And and no, they're both fighting no names. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Danny Garcia coming off of a, a, a 2013. I mean, his last six fights, Okay, or his last five fights, Amir, Eric Morales, Amir Khan, Eric Morales, Zab Judah, Lucas Matisse, Mauricio Herrera. And now he's going to fight Rod Salka. I think the fight with Herrera may, may have scared the Garcia team a little bit because Herrera gave Garcia all that he could handle and then some. And a lot of people thought the scoring of that fight could have gone another way along with me. But... uh yeah, I, I just there's no way that that you can explain this to a boxing fan or get them excited about watching these fights. They're complete locks. Danny Garcia and Lamont Peterson will win those fights. So you're wasting everybody's time if you're gonna match them up six months from now. What's the point? Match them up now. This isn't a this isn't a matchup that everybody's frothing at the mouth to see, anyways. No. Especially the casual boxing fan. 
So I, I just, there's no, what's the logic behind this? If somebody could please explain that to me at Showtime, I, I'd love to hear it. And you hear during that broadcast and that interview, the sit down interview with uh, Oscar De La Hoya, is he just talking about how all they want to do is just make the best fights. So I think you're right. If, you know, I'm not going to sit here and call De La Hoya a hypocrite, but, you know, I, I think you're right. There must be something happened in 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 the Garcia camp. I don't think it was the Peterson camp. No, the Peterson camp. There's uh, he's never backed down from anybody. He's, I just don't see him. He wanted he wanted that fight. I don't think Danny Garcia wants to fight with Peterson. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, you know, Peterson's got a great resume too. He's fought Derry Jean, Matisse, Amir Khan, Victor Ortiz, Timothy Bradley. I mean, he's gone in the ring with the best. Yes, of course. And the funny thing about these two matchups is. You know, uh, Rod Salka is a complete, he's the biggest joke by far out of the two. Edgar Santana is not a complete joke. He at least is 29 and four with 20 knockouts. And he's, he's from Puerto Rico. So, you know, he's at least going to bring some semblance of boxing ability into the ring. So wouldn't it be funny if, you know, Edgar uh, Santana was able to pull the upset and Danny Garcia was able to avoid Lamont Peterson altogether. That would be very, very bizarre and very convenient. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's so many good fighters at this weight class. Now, I understand the timing of the Provodnikov Algeri fight, you know, kind of throws off the ability for, you know, the top, say, you know, the top five rated fighters in the weight class are, are tied up in one form or another. So if they're not going to fight Matisse again, either of them, then logically you fight one another because Algeria and Provodnikov aren't ready to fight you. Right. Right. Of course. Okay. So why can, fight Adrian Broner, fight Jesse Vargas, fight Victor Postel, fight somebody. Yeah. There's no explaining it. I, I don't even really, it, I can't defend the sport of boxing on this one. It's just makes me so damn angry. I'm with you, man. Me too, brother. Me too. Let's move on to another boxing topic that seems to get people fired up. I know it's definitely something that you and I talk about quite a bit. Um, and that was the Miguel Cotto, Sergio Martinez, uh, middleweight championship fight at Madison Square Garden, a fight that you and I both attended. And uh, there was a lot of buildup and a lot of um, you know a lot of energy surrounding this fight and something that you and I as boxing fans were just so excited to be able to have the opportunity to go see these two fight. And maybe it was just the atmosphere there, the fact that it was sold out 21,000, 22,000, whatever it was. And, you know, the, that was one of the best live audiences for any sporting event that I have ever seen in my entire life. I'm talking, you know, Redskins, Cowboys, week 17, the winner goes to the playoffs. I'm talking, Cal Ripken when he broke Lou Gehrig's record. I'm talking about some some crowds that I've heard noise from in my lifetime. And this, when when Cotto knocked Sergio down the first time in that first round, I mean, even after the second time when the crowd really erupted. Oh, yeah, that place was just, oh, my God, a ball of energy, man. It was unbelievable. So the fight does 350,000 pay-per-view buys. Yeah, that's, that's a seriously disappointing number. I... I have to think that they were at least expecting 500,000 when they made that fight. You're seeing numbers in, unless there's like a gigantic matchup in the UFC. And now the UFC, they do, they're like the WWF. They have, you know, uh, 
uh, No Holds Barred and the Royal Rumble <laughs> and uh, uh, the ladder match. And they just have, they have too they have too many pay per views in a year. SummerSlam, and, <laughs> you know, but you know they will do probably two pay per views a year where they'll do a million buys and it'll be the biggest fights, that, right. the biggest matchups that they have. But I've seen their numbers and they will do a pay per view that does half of what Sergio and Cotto did. There's there's only one way to explain that, and it's just the promotion of fights is is not as good as it used to be. Like we were talking about before we went on there, you, you, you can't just throw some commercials on TV, throw some stickers on the side of a bus in a city, and throw a couple billboards up and think that you're promoting a fight. People don't, people aren't that in tune with the sport. You got to get out there more. There's got to be something else done. Yeah, I mean that was one thing that I noticed. Like I was sitting there thinking while I'm watching the uh, um, the Guerrero Kamagai fight, is I kept getting distracted by the empty seats. Oh, there were so many. And I'm like, so if there's a sports fan that comes home from the bar or is up late, can't sleep, you know, and is flipping through the channel like you and I have found ourselves doing, you know, hundreds of times in our lifetime looking for some something worth watching and you come across this this fight if you don't know who these two guys are you don't know who the ghost is you're just flipping right past it going oh this is one of these hacky espn2 fights right and it looks like you know you see the crowd and you're like well this can't be that big of a deal because the stadium's not even half full i'm gonna go and find a uh a rugby match on Fox Sports One, right? You know, instead. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a huge, a huge issue. You know, uh, Bob Arum, you know, said that they they definitely expected to do the numbers that that you spoke of at, at you know at least um, a half a million pay per view buys. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think these promoters are realizing that pay per view was originally intended for the fight of the year for. Uh, a super fight you know what i mean it was mainly heavyweights you know when they first started it's all you got was the big heavyweight matchups on pay-per-view you got tyson holyfield Bo, lewis all those guys matched up and 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 now it's you're trying to sell to the world 135 pound guys 147 pound guys they're just they're smaller guys it's just not as in the scheme of, in the grand scheme of things they're not larger than life type of type of boxers like a heavyweight can be. Yeah. And while Kodo has an enormous following and Sergio has an enormous following, there was a lot going on. There was the Belmont, there was a chance of a triple crown going on and that took place a few hours before this event. And then you had the NHL playoffs where, you know, about the time when the pay-per-view came on air, the, the playoff game, you know, with the Rangers and the Kings was in overtime. And two of the biggest markets in the country. They're they're focusing on that before they're focusing on boxing. Both fighters apparently got paid. Uh, Cotto's split was $9 million after being offered $10 million to fight Canelo Alvarez before this fight, but accepted nine, and Sergio's purse was six. So the two fighters got paid 15 out of the $25 million that was taken for this fight, which leaves $10 million to pay for the promotion. And... In boxing in America, promotions have been lackluster at best, like we've talked about a million times over and over again. So this leaves you $10 million to pay for a fight that was actually promoted rather well. I mean, you saw a lot of this fight in your face well in advance of the actual fight taking place. But I also heard you know, an interview with a, uh, a British boxing writer who was discussing about 
um, you know, the difference between American boxing fans and British boxing fans. And there's this conception, you know, in, in the American sporting world that somehow, you know, American boxing fans are not as, as rabid and, you know, intense as, as British boxing fans. And this, you know, this British boxing writer said, no, that's not it at all. And like you touched on previously, it's the fact that every, every fight in Britain, now it's a much smaller country. So the sporting world is much more familiar with the stable of fighters that come from that country. That's, you know, definitely one advantage, but they make every fight out to be just these grand occasions where, you know, they're, they are, 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 are broadcasted and promoted and just, there's so much excitement that's generated leading up to these fights. Right. And it's, they make it a fight where you want to go and be seen at that fight just as much as you want to watch that fight. It's, they, they do a much better job in that country. And quite frankly, part of the time I wish I, I wish I had English television so I could watch more of their fights, you know, is the, is the quality of fighting as good? No, but I guarantee you as much as it's it's as entertaining at least because those guys like to fight more than they like to box. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, you know, I I get so excited watching the fights over there because you know they'll sell out twenty thousand seat arenas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The and intensity in the, in the crowd is is unbelievable. Yeah, everybody's there having a blast. Like it's a gigantic party. It doesn't matter who's fighting. Yep, you get the you get the chance like at soccer games. It's just it's it's a way di- different atmosphere than what we're used to in the states. Yeah, and I think that people just think, oh, well, print some posters, throw throw a couple commercials on, and people are going to start showing up. I, I hate to break it to you, if Miguel Cotto and Sergio Martinez fighting against each other, I mean that's the biggest name fight that boxing's had in years. Yeah, it it really is, and. You know, that's why I was so excited to get tickets to that fight and go because I'm, man, this is the biggest middleweight fight, middleweight championship fight I can remember. Two living legends in the sport are going to put it down in Madison Square Garden. How does anybody not want to see this? And that comes from a diehard boxing fan. A yeah. casual boxing fan, you say Miguel Cotto, and they're probably going to go, oh, yeah, didn't he fight Pacquiao once? Or didn't he fight Mayweather once? I think I've heard his name before. Yeah, and you know, there's there's a, a a romantic side and a sexy side to the middleweight history. Right. You know what I mean? In America, it's the heavyweights and the middleweights. Yeah. That, those you know? are the two most recognized divisions by far. You know, and and it's just, you know, it's too bad, but at the same time, if this fight I have no I have no problem um, you know, when big fights come around, them not putting them on pay-per-view because I don't want to spend $75 to watch uh, a horrible card. About $40. Why not just drop the price a little bit? You're going to get the extra buys just by dropping the price. It's a lot easier to to convince your wife, who's probably going to be the one who's like, I don't want you spending $75. You say it's $40. It's yeah. not that big of a deal. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I mean, you know... That probably would have got them another fifty thousand buys right there and just that, by dropping the price, and that makes up the difference. So I, you know, I don't know what the hell the the logic is behind it. Well, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the next pay per view and um, when Canelo Alvarez takes on Arislandi Lara, well, what those numbers do. I I think in the United States, to be completely honest with you, I think they're going to do 
probably 250,000 in the U S yeah, they're going to do less than Martinez Cotto. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think the one thing that, um, and they didn't miss out on it because I know that the, uh, uh, you know, Frotch Groves did a million pay-per-view buys in the United Kingdom and that is enormous. Oh yeah. That's, and that's with what, what size of audience are they pulling from? Like yeah. A, a fifth, a sixth of the size of the United States. And it was just broadcast over here. Right. You know what I mean? It was just on HBO. You know, imagine if they would have put that on pay-per-view here. I would have bought it. I would have bought it, but there wouldn't have been a lot of other people who did, especially at the time slot that you get it at. Four o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday? Yeah, that's an odd... Something about watching a fight during the day. It doesn't have the same feel. Uh, I'm, I'm down with it. I'm not doing anything better at Saturday at four o'clock. I'd rather be doing that than doing yard work. <laughs> I hear that one. All right, well, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back to preview uh, this weekend's main event coming to you live from Omaha, Nebraska. Yeehaw! Well, daggone. We'll be right back. This is a special edition of Sports Rant Radio. Be sure to drop by sportsrantradio.com for all the archived episodes of The Rant and The Tale of the Tape, a boxing podcast. This is a special edition of Sports Rant Radio. Welcome back to the Tale of the Tape. I'm Kenny Keith with Vince Cummings, as always. And now it's time to preview this weekend's main event from Omaha, Nebraska. (laughs) As Omaha, Nebraska's own Terrence Crawford, 23-0 with 16 knockouts. The 5'8 fighter has a 70-inch reach and will be weighing in at the limit of 135 pounds for this fight. He's 26 years old. And he has 93 rounds under his belt. The Omaha, Nebraska native hopes to put on a show at home against El Ciclino, your Yorkist Gamboa. At five foot five and a half, the much undersized knockout artist has a 65-inch reach and is 32 years old. Time is passing Gamboa by. He already has 121 rounds under his belt he is 23 and 0 with 16 knockouts as well mirror records Crawford and Gamboa this is an interesting fight coming up this weekend from Omaha Nebraska yeah it's it's the biggest fight the lightweight division has seen in quite some time you you got two really good undefeated fighters exact records like you said um this this is going to be an entertaining fight you know I'm going to Make sure everybody, you know, you're going to want to tune in for this. Gamboa's got a a very aggressive kind of mini Mike Tyshinus style. Uh, he's very compact and very, you know, just ripped for a 5'5". Five, five, to be 5'5 five, five and 135, that's a lot of weight for that frame to be carrying. And uh, Mr. Crawford is uh, is no slouch himself. That kid is is one hell of a boxer. Yeah, no doubt. Gamboa, originally a native of Guantanamo, Cuba, now makes his home in Miami, Florida. Um, First gained his international name as a member of Cuba's very, very famous and notorious amateur boxing nation. Um, He's got that one-punch power, and this is a fight where 
Gamboa has the puncher's chance again, a Crawford, a longer Crawford, who traveled to Scotland and destroyed Ricky Burns via unanimous decision to win the WBO lightweight championship of the world. Yeah, and that and that shows a lot right there about Crawford, uh, him willing to go to Glasgow, Scotland, and, and take that risk. You know, he's an undefeated young fighter coming up. There's no reason for him to do that unless you really want it. And that's one thing I really like about Crawford is he seems to be a guy that's that's willing to do whatever it takes to make a name for himself in the sport. And, uh, you know, he's had he's had some other... His other most impressive win is against Bradis Prescott, who, you know, who kind of fell apart there towards the end of his career, but was always known as a devastating one-punch knockout fighter. And he, and he handled him in a pretty much clean sweep. And he was a veteran at the time. So, you know, Crawford's a young guy, and uh, he's got a lot going for him right now. He's a, he's a great boxer, puncher, and, and you're going to see some, some really nice things from him on Saturday night. He's a very, very aggressive counterpuncher as well. Yeah. Very, very accurate on the counter. Yes, he is. And that's, you know, that's for a young fighter at 26 to be saying that already, that, that's saying an awful lot. Do you think he's going to have to have to seize the um, seize the bell and, and, and throw hands first? Or do you think that he can, he can afford to try to counterpunch a, uh, a puncher? I think he's going to try to counter at first because I, Gamboa likes to sell out on his punches and, and put everything he has into it. So that leaves the, the counters open big time. But I also don't doubt for a second that, that Crawford won't be the first to get off in an exchange. He's not afraid to exchange punches on the inside as well. Right. Well, I mean, Gamboa, you know, he is uh, remarkably accurate, though, for for a big puncher. And I think Crawford is going to, in the same way I feel that Gary Russell Jr. wasn't exactly prepared for the speed, like the actual athleticism of Lomachenko, it's going to be interesting to see how Crawford deals with now, we're just assuming that Gamboa is still going to be that El Ciclino, the Cyclone, um, the ridiculously fast and super athletic and explosive boxer that has almost faded from our memory. Do you think there's a chance that Crawford is, in the beginning of this fight, a little thrown thrown back by Gamboa's pure athleticism? Uh, I think you're going to find out real quick because Gamboa's not going to waste any time. He's going to put the kid to the test early. That, uh, Of course, that's what he's going to do. That's what he always does. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like Crawford is wise beyond his years in the ring from what I've watched. Now, that's, like I said before, not against the best of competition. And like you said about Gary Russell, you know, what he, he didn't face the best of competition going into his big fight. But I, Crawford's a little bit of a of a different ball game, I think. He's, he's a better a, he's, he's a better boxer. Yeah, he's 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 got more than one one attack. He's, he's yeah. he can fight multiple styles, which is you know that's what makes a good fighter. You got to be able to do more than one thing. You can't be a, a one trick pony in the sport. That'll only get you so far. Yeah, and you know what? If Gamboa gets caught charging, and let's say he charges, if if Crawford gets caught first, um, backing straight up into the ropes and Gamboa seizes that and tries to pounce on him. Gamboa is going to have to be accurate because Crawford in tight quarters is pretty vicious with the uppercut. Yeah, he's he's very very slick on the inside. It's like I said, he, it really doesn't matter. The fight could be on the inside or the outside. Crawford can do it both ways. Well, Crawford's going to have to keep Gamboa at the end of his jab. Do you think uh, 
Gamboa's endurance is going to be an issue in this fight? It's always been a question for him. Uh, The championship rounds, he always seems to be a little bit gassed when it comes to 9, 10, 11, and 12. He, He gets... Too tired. I don't know what, what what it has to do with the training regiment that he goes through or or whatever. But he he needs to make sure in this fight he's ready to go twelve. And the other big thing for him is is also going to be, you know, he's coming up and wait again. Is this power going to carry over to this division? Crawford may take one of his punches and go, well, shit, that was his best punch. <laughs> I'm that's not going to do anything to me. I'll. I'll stand in the pocket with this guy all day. Yeah, and if that happens, then I think the result of the fight is going to be pretty predictable. Yeah. I think Crawford will end up, uh, if, if if that's the way that the fight goes. So so how do you see the fight going? I, I really like Crawford to win pretty easily. I, I like him to win by four, five, maybe six rounds. I expect it to go the distance. I don't expect him to get the knockout. But, yeah, I expect him to, you know, a, a 117-111 type of scorecard on a win for him. Hmm. It's interesting. I was reading on uh, in Ring Magazine, I guess they had a panel uh, of, I want to say, I don't know, 25 boxing writers, and it was, or 24 boxing writers or something like that, and um, they had 20 picked Crawford and four took the uh, the puncher's chance. <laughs> right. I, that goes to tell you right there, but I mean, once again, what the hell do boxing writers know? They all pick Sergio Martinez, so. Yeah, yeah. And I've been wrong. It's boxing, man. You you can't. It's impossible to pick them all. Yeah, I think I've picked one fight right on the button in the last three years, and that was Frotch Groves too. Right. You can't. I mean, to predict the score and the round when the when it's going to end, it's just it's 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 virtually impossible. Yeah. It's an educated guess, is all it is. Crawford is, uh, you know, he's been saying for a long time that he was going to bring it to Omaha. And, uh, you know, he's he's bringing a big fight. And um, it's going to be pretty exciting to see the clashing size style. The tail of the tape is very, 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 very different. There's a dichotomy between these two fighters. So it'll just be interesting to see how it plays out. So here's what we know. We know the ghost grew cinder blocks on his feet. Yep. We know that Vasily Lomachenko is a real deal professional boxing threat. Yep. We know that Devin Alexander needs to fight Keith Thurman soon because we need some more exciting fights. Yep. And um, we know that pay-per-views happen way, way too much in professional boxing. So, kids, those are the lessons learned today <laughs> on the tail of the tape. Well, I think that's going to do it for today, Vin. Oh, man, I had fun doing it, as always. Let's get out of here, man. I'm starving. You've been listening to The Tale of the Tape. Be sure to drop by sportsrantradio.com for all the archived episodes of The Rant and The Tale of the Tape. For Vince Cummings, I'm Kenny Keith of SportsRantRadio.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at VinceCummings81, and at SportsRantRadio. Radio.